Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Bless You Boys podcast for Saturday, April the 11th, 2015. I'm your host, Hook Slide. Happy to have you along for the ride for the next half hour or 45 minutes as we recap the last week's worth of Tigers baseball. Uh, for our first-time listeners, the Bless You Boys podcast is a feature of the Bless You Boys website, SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog. You'll find us on the web at www.blessyouboys.com on Twitter, at Bless You Boys, and on Facebook. Just search for Bless You Boys, and you'll find us there. Ladies and gentlemen, baseball is officially back, and it has been a heck of a start to the 2015 season so far, hasn't it? Take a listen. August, there's a fly ball deep center field. Going back, Schaefer, onto the track, at the wall, leaps up, and that ball is gone! A home run! How about it? J.T. Martinez goes opposite field to the deepest part of Comerica Park and gives the Tigers a 1-0 lead in the second. Here's a fly ball left field. This one's deep. Going back is Arcia. Looking up, and it's gone! A home run! Opposite field home run for Alex Avila. 3-0 Tigers in the second. Fly ball left field deep in trouble. Going back, Cespedes, he leaps up, and he makes the catch up against the wall. Timed his jump perfectly, and he took a home run away from Suzuki. 1-2 to J.D., swinging a fly ball right field. This one's way back in right, and gone a home run. J.D. Martinez, second home run of the year. It's a two-run shot with two outs in the fourth, and the Tigers now lead it 6-0. 2-2, strike three called, he got him on strikes, and the Tigers are off to a 4-0 start in 2015. And of course, that's Dan Dickerson on the calls with WXYT and the Detroit Tigers radio network. Dan, a good friend of the podcast, and uh, joining me today in the virtual studio for today's episode is our site's co-managing editor, Stats guru and resident doctor of physical therapy, Rob Bajacki. Rob, it's great to have you back on the show. Do I have to talk or can we just listen to Dan Dickerson clips the rest of the podcast? <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all, at all. And it's uh, it's surprising. I was just realizing today, Rob, that the last time you and I spoke on the podcast was actually in December. I can't believe it's been that long. Has it really been that long? Wow. Yeah, I want to say our first uh, show back um, – in the off season was uh, maybe a week or two before Christmas. So yeah, it's, it's been a while and now the weather's warmed up and the Tigers are playing baseball and they are off to a roaring start. Uh, as we heard Dan Dickerson say, four and oh swept the twins uh, in Comerica and beat up on the Cleveland Indians uh, yesterday. Um, 
it's been a mix, Rob, of great starting pitching, um, highly productive offense. And so I guess the, the question is how much of that, especially when you consider the, the, uh, the series against Minnesota, how much of that is a, a much improved Tigers team this year? And how much of that was just, you know, sort of their inferior opponent they were facing? Well, I definitely think it's a little bit of both, um, as well as just a little bit of luck. Uh, right as we were going live for the show, I noticed something that the, that the Tigers tweeted and that uh, they became just the third team to start 4-0 uh, while scoring more than 30 runs and allowing less than five runs in the entire history of baseball. Um, and only two teams wow. have done it since 1900. So uh, this is definitely an, uh, an unprecedented start, um, to be sure. But I think that this is definitely a, you know, a, a good start, and I think this team is going to be a little bit better than a lot of people had anticipated. Yeah, I would I would have to agree. I certainly didn't have a whole lot of high hopes for them, just looking at the way the roster was being constructed, some of the pieces that were lost and pieces that were picked up that didn't look quite as good. The thing that kind of strikes me as interesting is that, yes, they got off to the same kind of 4-0 start uh, last season, uh, but going back over the box scores just recently, I realized that a lot of those games were, you know, played into extra innings. The scores were kind of close, and that's obviously kind of a, a drastic difference from the 4-0 start, you know, this season, where, as you pointed out, they're, they're not really allowing any runs. Yeah, the, the starting pitching has been great so far. Um, you know, obviously you have David Price, who's incredible. Annabelle Sanchez seems like he's healthy as well. Uh, but I was really impressed with Shane Green in that, in that first start, too. It's, uh, it's hard not to get too excited about him yet. I know. I know. You know what? We're going to talk about Shane Green a little bit later, too. I want to kind of go into his start and kind of analyze that a little bit. Um, but to kind of delve a little bit deeper into that first question that I asked, you know, David Price was was off to a great start. Sanchez was off to a great start. Um, but how much of that do you personally kind of chalk up to just the fact that they were facing the Minnesota Twins and maybe a little bit easier of an offense to get through? Yeah, I think that definitely has something to do with it. Um, the Twins were a pretty good offense last season. You know, they ranked, uh, I think they ranked in the top half of the American League in runs scored, and they definitely gave the Tigers fits. Um, but I think the Tigers were able to really take advantage of kind of their, their patient approach. I think that the, the Twins let themselves get into a lot of 0-1 and 0-2 counts, and that really mm-hmm. made a difference for them. And, the, you know, you got to credit the Tigers for being able to, you know, put the ball in the strike zone and get ahead in the count. But I think that they definitely um, took advantage of the Twins, uh, a little bit too patient approach there. Yeah, and they took advantage of the Twins in many, many ways, I felt, too. Uh, it seemed like there was a lot of bad defense, you know, on the Twins' part that allowed that offense to score some of those, you know, a lot of those runs, those, you know, 11 to nothing game or whatever. Um, you expect a good start out of David Price. You expect a good start out of Anibal Sanchez. Uh, what about Shane Green? I mean, his first outing... I, you know, I think a lot of us were kind of excited to see what he had, uh, having seen some of the clips from last year. But even I, honestly, Rob, I didn't expect that first outing to be as good as it was with eight innings pitched, no earned runs. He gets five strikeouts, you know, on the game. Um, I don't want to pick the guy apart. So I just kind of want to say, like, you know, let's just bask in the glow for a few minutes and talk a little bit about, you know, what did you see from Shane Green, his pitch selection, his, you know, the stuff, his command, all that kind of stuff. Well, the thing I really liked about him is that he was just able to pound the strike zone, especially on the first pitch in the bat. Um, I think that they said he got first pitch strikes on something like 22 or 23 of the, you know, 29, 30-odd hitters he faced. Um, mm. You know, it's just an, an incredible stat there. And to be able to get ahead 
really sets uh, really sets him up for for success. I'm looking it up now. It was 22 of 28 first pitch strikes for Green in that in that wow. start. Um, and you know when when you do that and you only walk one hitter in eight innings, you're definitely going to have a good day. And he seemed to be very efficient. I, I want to say he was up to what 85 pitches uh, when he finished the eighth inning before he was you know relieved in the ninth. Does that sound right? Yeah, he threw 85 pitches in the start. Um, I was taking a look at it, and it seemed like his velocity had tailed off a little bit towards the end of that, so I kind of agree with the decision to both get him out there and actually get the bullpen a little bit of work, uh, as, uh, as funny as that is to say after last year. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that has more to do with the, the long rain delay that they had, um, you know, making a, a pitcher sit around for three hours, especially if he had been throwing warm-up pitches before they, they announced the delay. Uh, that can definitely mess with right. Right. Yeah, I, he just he reminded me very much of kind of a, a carbon copy of Rick Porcello in some ways, just in the, uh, the, I guess, the location of the pitches, a lot of those kind of heavy sinkers, getting a lot of ground balls, getting some swings and misses, but especially that, that efficiency. I think he probably could have finished the game. Yeah, I think he could have too. Um, but, you know, when you have, you know, Price going eight and two-thirds innings in the, the first day uh, – the first game of the season, um, you know, we were actually getting to the point where the bullpen guys needed some work to, uh, to mm. stay loose, stay, stay uh, efficient. Um, the, the, well, and going back to the green Porcello comparison, I was just kind of blown away by how much green physically looked like Rick Porcello on the mound. Um, <laughs> if you didn't have, you know, the Jersey number and the name on the back there, you know, you, you would have been able to, you know, to mistake him for Porcello on the mound. So I think that that plays a role into that comparison as well. Yeah, and I am really, really hoping that, uh, like we said, that his outing was not just sort of a fluke, you know, because it was against the Twins. And I guess we'll get a better look, you know, his second time around uh, against the quote-unquote real baseball team. But uh, if he can continue with that kind of efficiency and be able to pitch deep in the games like that, I mean, I expect some really great things out of him. Hey, I'll take as many of those as he's going to give us. That's right. But see, this is one way to avoid the bullpen problems is to have your starters continue to go, you know, eight innings and eight and two thirds innings and so forth. Um, the other uh, hot topic, I think, watching the last couple of games is uh, Alex Avila. And I know I've heard a lot of talk, um, you know, from people like uh, Jim Price, you know, said something about it. Other commentators have said that uh, in spring training, he was really working on kind of retooling his swing and uh, working more on driving to the opposite field. Uh, as much as possible, and boy, it sure seems like it's been working. So, uh, you know, he had that opposite field home run uh, in the opening game. I, I want to say he, um, if he didn't double, he at least got a base hit the opposite way. Uh, is it t- uh, too early to uh, start hoping that uh, we're going to see a breakout season from Alex Avila? It may be a little bit too early. Um, he's hitting close to 500 right now, so that's definitely not going to continue. Um you know, I can't say whether or not his swing looks any different to me. Uh, I didn't watch many of the spring training games. Um, so I, and he's always kind of been one to drive the ball the other way, especially when he's hitting it in the air. But, you know, if he's going to mm-hmm. continue, you know, hitting that way with power, that's definitely going to be a, a big plus for this offense. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can continue to, to hit the ball to the opposite field because, you know, as as you've seen, uh, opposing teams always put that huge overshift on when he's up to the plate. So if he can kind of break that pattern and start slicing the ball, you know, towards the left field side, it'd be interesting to see if they if they adjust their strategy uh, a little bit towards the middle of the season and stop doing the overshift. 
Yeah, well, with that shift, I've noticed that they, they move their infielders over towards the right side of the infield. But I think that a lot of the times they're actually shading the outfield over the opposite way. Um, you know, he, hmm. he has tended to hit a lot of his fly balls towards the left field side in the past. Um, so if he can, you know, it's just really with him, it's about spraying the ball kind of from foul line to foul line. I mean, you know, if he wants to go opposite way or to the pole field, he has the capability of doing both. He just hasn't been very consistent about that in the last few years. Sure. And uh, obviously the other piece of this, not only the way he's hitting the ball in these first couple of games, but just the fact that he's getting on base an awful lot. seems like he's walked, uh, you know, four or five times, maybe more than that. Uh, But another thing that stood out to me is that not only is he getting on base, uh, but that Jose Iglesias coming up behind him is actually hitting the ball very well and providing some opportunities, um, you know, to actually convert Avila's on-base percentage into runs scored. Yeah, the bottom of the lineup has really just been fantastic so far. Um, you got Cespedes, who's, I think, hitting over 400 right now. Uh, Castellanos was a little struggling a little bit to start the year, but he's picked up in the last couple games, including the home run he had yesterday. And then when you have Avila and Iglesias getting on a combined, uh, I think it was 10 times in the second game of the season when Sanchez pitched, um, I think they were both on base five times in that game. You know, you're going to be really tough to stop, especially when you're turning it over to a top of the lineup that looks like the one the Tigers have. Right. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of that, for Iglesias at least, is, you know, there's a little bit of Babbitt, you know, good luck, and there. I'm seeing some infield hits, you know, some bloopers that are dropping in, um, you know, but no matter which way you slice it, um, we kind of knew that about Iglesias going in, right, that he was more prone to get the infield single. So as long as he's hitting the ball, putting it in play, you know, he doesn't strike out a lot. I think that's going to provide a lot more opportunity for Alex Avila once he gets on base to advance and then potentially score runs. Absolutely. And I was really impressed with how quick uh, Iglesias has looked. Um, We knew that he was, you know, quick out of the box, quick down the first base line uh, when we acquired Mm -hmm. him from the Red Sox. But he's almost turned it up a little bit this year, uh, looking even a little bit quicker than he did back in 2013, though it is hard to remember back that far. Um, the other thing I've been impressed with him is that he stole, I think he stole a couple bases in the first game of the season. Uh, and he's looked really quick getting off of, off of the line, so to speak, when he's trying to steal second or, or whatnot. And he had a great jump on a play in one of the games against the twins where he, you know, there was a soft liner going into center field and, you know, it kind of looked iffy at first, but he got a great jump on it and he was able to score easily from second. Um, so that kind of base running is really, you know, kind of a breath of fresh air for, for Tigers fans, you know, not getting much of that out of the bottom of the lineup last year, not getting any of that, you know, in the years prior, um, getting that kind of speed out of the bottom of the order is really going to be big for them. Yeah. And as you mentioned, he, he looks a little bit quicker. And I want to say now that that reminds me, I heard uh, either Jim Price or Dan Dickerson say during yesterday's game that, and I wasn't aware of this, but apparently, you know, Iglesias was suffering the pain from those uh, shin splints or at least the beginnings of what was forming. Uh, there that he was suffering through that all through 2013. So as you know, as much as he ran as quick as he looked in 2013, it sounds like he was actually hampered a little bit by you know uh, an injury that was about to uh, you know kind of come to full flower. Well, yeah, and he had missed a few games when he was a tiger when he was with the Tigers, kind of sporadically in there. You know, he'd miss a game or he'd be taken out early of a game. Uh, I remember a couple of those instances back in 2013. Um, you know, we, we thought he was going to be healthy heading into 2014, but, you know, whatever he was doing to kind of maintain and keep, I, I guess, kind of keep those shin splints around, 
um, you know, it kind of stuck with him over the winter. And then when we got to spring training, they kind of, you know, just it got worse and worse until he ended up missing the entire season. Right. And so if, if that's, if he's really a truly past that now and not, you know, playing through any pain uh, at this point or in danger of, you know, injuring himself again, uh, it just seems to be some, he seems to be a player now who has sort of uh what's the word I want? He's, he's um, tapping into some sort of, uh, you know, newfound uh, power and speed in the legs. And he seems to be very anxious to, uh, to want to use that on the base pad. Absolutely. And he's going to be a key if they can keep him healthy. Um, you know, watching him for these last few games, it's pretty clear that he is, you know, a, a huge step above anything the Tigers had at shortstop last year, even Eugenio Suarez. Um, you know, so getting Iglesias back in the lineup, both, you know, offensively and defensively, I think is going to be a big plus over just the uh, the bottomless pit that they had there last season. <laughs> you weren't a fan of uh, Gonzalez and Worth and uh, uh, Romine then? Well, Suarez and Romine were just kind of products of the situation. I still don't understand why right. they picked up Alex Gonzalez, but hey, you know what? He he had that walk-off single on opening day, so I guess we'll take that. That's right. <laughs> he will live forever in our hearts for that reason alone. Uh, we're talking with Robert Jackie here on the Bless You Boys podcast. Check us out online at uh, www.blessyouboys.com. Let's roll over the lineup, Rob. Anthony goes at the top of the order is absolutely on fire. Uh, he's hitting. He's running. He's putting on a defensive show in center field that reminds me a lot of uh, Austin Jackson at, at his prime. Um it seems like he may be having a little bit of trouble keeping Cespedes off the front lawn, so to speak, though, in terms of, I, I want to say there was a couple of plays that ended up turning into errors because Cespedes was come, you know, come flying in towards center and uh, either goes, didn't call him off or, or, you know, tried to, but uh, couldn't keep him out. Um, what do you think of Ghost's performance so far? Oh, it's been, you know, very, very impressive. Um, he's, you know, really hitting well right now. And one of the things I've noticed with him, both in, in the couple spring training games I watched in the early part of the season, is that he's pretty good at taking the ball the other way. Uh, I think his uh, triple in the – or his double in the one of the games, um, you know, he was able to line that to the opposite field. Um, you know, he's not going to have too many triples going to, to left field. He's really got to line it into that big right center gap to be able to get all the way around the third. Um, but, you know, if he can take the ball the other way, too, that's really going to be a, a big thing for him. Uh, I noticed the Tigers have done that a lot as a team in the first few games. But I think that guys, you know, guys like him and Iglesias, uh, you know, those speedy guys, if they can start taking the ball the other way, and, and Ghost in particular, if he can, you know, take the ball over to the left side of the infield, he could uh, pick up a few infield hits that way as well. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um Let's talk for a minute about his his running ability on the base paths. Uh, I know we were kind of chatting about this uh, behind the scenes with some of the other writers from Bless You Boys, and I was asking the question, uh, not having seen Ghost play that that often prior to this this season, uh, trying to get kind of a gauge on his speed compared to Rajay Davis. And I heard a couple different answers from you know he's he's just as fast to he's actually faster. Where do you kind of rate him in terms of you know being a base stealing threat and how fast he can get around? I don't know if he's just as fast as Rajay Davis, but it seems pretty close. Uh, they're both, you know, very quick, and they can both uh, really fly around the bases. Uh, you know, I was impressed with Ghost's speed during spring training. Uh, he got he got thrown out on a great throw by uh, Jan Gomes yesterday, 
But uh, I think that, you know, he's uh, pretty much a lock for, you know, 20, 30 stolen bases this year with the speed he has. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if he's got that same, um, you know, it's, it's maybe just a feeling that I have that, you know, when Roger Davis got on the bases last year, it was just sort of a, you know, a foregone conclusion. He was going to swipe second. He might even take third. We saw him even, uh, I think he stole third base last year on a relay throw from the catcher back to the pitcher, you know, after the pitch was thrown. Um, it would be really fun to see Anthony Ghost kind of take that same, you know, aggressive approach if he's got the wheels to pull it off. Absolutely. And I think he did kind of uh, pull off a, a delayed steal sort of like that uh, in one of the in one of the games. I think he, you know, kind of waited to see what the pitch would be like and then took off from there. And I believe that uh, it was against the Twins, and I believe that Suzuki bobbled it and Ghost was able to steal it, steal it standing up. Um so, you know, that kind of speed is just, you know, it, it really is kind of a game changer. Um, you know, even in the, at the top of the lineup there, if he's not going to be running as much in front of Cabrera and Martinez, you know, having that speed, being able to score from score from first on a double or go from first to third easily on a single, you know, that's a, a big thing that the Tigers really had missed, you know, in, in a few of those years, 2011, 2012, 2013. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, one of the reasons why people are so excited about this team so far. Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely agree. Uh, it was fun to see all the dingers, you know, back in the days when they were, uh, you know, quote-unquote softball team. But uh, this is certainly a new look and a very exciting look to see them running the bases the way they are. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Ghost's defense. And, you know, I, I, obviously it's only been a couple of games, and I've only seen one or two of those games, you know, on television, um, you know, to actually give it the eye test, so to speak. But I've been very impressed so far with not only the routes that he's taking to the ball, but his ability to do like we saw Austin Jackson do so many times is sort of, you know, get on his horse and ride and run out to deep parts of the center field and, and flag down those fly balls over his head. Yeah. And that was the, the big draw for him when the Tigers first acquired him is that he was a plus defender in center field. Um, you know, there are the, the big questions were whether he would be able to, you know, get on base and hit. Uh, and he's definitely answered that so far, but uh, it, he is definitely the premium defender that the Tigers needed sorely lacked during the last half of the season after they traded away Jackson. Um, so getting him and keeping him in the lineup, and if he can, you know, get on base to supplement that great defense, I think he's going to be a big plus for this team. Do you know anything about his, his arm, his strength in the arm? Yes, he actually has a cannon. Um, all you have to do is, you know, search it on YouTube or on MLB's website, and there are several clips of him, you know, gunning out players. Um, I remember he threw out, I think it was Brett Gardner in one of the spring training games on just an absolute laser of a throw from the outfield, uh, and it's a really impressive play. Well, that's really good to hear. I, I haven't searched YouTube. I'm going to have to go and check that now or look through the MLB archives and see. I mean, I, but I, I'm having trouble imagining, you know, <laughs> what this is going to be like to have a center fielder who's got the defense of Jackson with, you know, a, a good arm but also one who's not necessarily going to strike out as much as, as Austin Jackson did. Yeah, and I think that'll be a good thing at the top of the lineup too. Um, you know, I think that sometimes the uh, strikeouts from leadoff hitters are get a little bit overblown or a little bit overrated. Uh, you know, Jackson was definitely a great player in his time here, and I don't think the strikeouts made it, you know, were too big of a detriment for him. 
But someone like Ghost, who, you know, has this incredible speed and doesn't really have the power that Jackson does, being able to put the ball in play and, you know, even pick up a few more infield hits than usual, that's a big plus for this team. It puts a lot of pressure on the defense to make plays, as we saw uh, with Iglesias in that in that play uh, against the Indians yesterday where Zepchinski threw the ball, you know, almost to the to the right field corner there. Um, yeah. Having that speed, having that speed can, you know, really kind of change the game for for a team. And let's talk about, we were just talking about Ghost's defense. Uh, let's kind of talk about the defense in general. I mean, the Tigers are really showing a lot more fluency in the language of the on-field leather so far this year. Um, and everyone seems to be kind of impressed. I'm seeing a lot of, you know, of chants on Twitter, defense, defense, defense. It's looking good so far. I mean, how much of an impact is that going to have on this team in 2015? I think it's going to have very big impact. Uh, they were one of the worst defensive clubs in baseball last year. Um, and if you, you know, we crunched the numbers over the off season with some of the advanced metrics and, you know, those can be a little wishy-washy at times, but, you know, even with conservative estimates, we were thinking that this team could, you know, be 40 or 50 runs better, which translates in, into, you know, roughly four or five wins better just on defense alone. Um, you know, and with the, the, you know, the things they've shown so far in the first four games of the season, I think that that's definitely, definitely something that we'll, we'll see throughout the course of the year. Um, I think I read something, you know, earlier this week, you know, after the opening game where David Price had said, you know, these defensive plays, getting those behind you, they can kind of energize you. And I think that, mm. you know, that's a, a good thing for the team just to have, you know, you know, having their pitchers backs and that, you know, if they give up a, a hard shot or a deep fly ball, that some of these guys are going to be able to, to run it down. Yeah, that's got to be a huge confidence booster for any starting pitcher. I mean, it goes back to Little League. You know, what I tell my Little League kids, you know, and the pitchers, it sort of say, you know, you don't have to shoulder the burden or you shouldn't have to shoulder the burden yourself of, you know, getting all the outs yourself, striking everybody out. You should be able to let them put the ball in play and trust your defense behind you to get the outs. That's, that's got to be a, a great thing great feeling for the Tigers starting uh, rotation to have that behind them. So if we can agree that the, that the defense is better, the offense looks pretty good. Uh, I know you brought up that uh, Rod Allen has said a couple of times in, in the first couple broadcasts that he thinks this is the best Tigers team that Dave Dombrowski has assembled yet so far. Do you feel like that's a fair statement uh, or maybe an overstatement? It's, I think it's a little bit too early to say that. Um, you know, you look back at the rosters that this team had in, you know, 2012 and 2013, and those are just some impressive, impressive clubs. Um, you know, mm -hmm. in 2013, they had Prince Fielder, Victor Martinez, and Miguel Cabrera in the middle of that lineup. You know, you had Austin Jackson playing well. You had Torrey Hunter hitting over 300, Johnny Peralta hitting over 300, even Omar Infante hitting over 300 at the bottom of the lineup. Um, you know, and that it, it it's still just a wonder to me that that team wasn't able to to win the World Series that year. And with the rotation they had that season, you know, having yeah. to put Drew Smiley in the bullpen, I, you know, <laughs> I I like this team. I think that this year's team is more balanced, uh, and I think that that can you know kind of help the the lack of I don't want to say lack of talent, but the the difference in talent play up towards that, towards what they were able to do in 2013. But, um, you know, as far as sheer talent goes, I don't think that this team is anywhere near what they had that year. 
No, you make a really good point. Not only was the offense, you know, incredible in 2013, and I want to say they were if they weren't they were just behind the Red Sox in the runs scored you know, for all of MLB. But like you said, that starting rotation was just, I mean, dead sexy, um, you know, for 2013. I, I really felt like that was the team that was, you know, most built, you know, so to speak, to win it all. Um, you know, but it remains to be seen, I guess. You know, like you said, this this team seems a little more balanced. I'm not seeing weaknesses in the offense yet. The rotation, obviously, was going to be kind of a question mark. And, you know, let, let's talk just for a second about, you know, we saw the first three starters go out against the Twins, and yet it's the Twins, so we'll take that into consideration. But then we saw uh, Alfredo uh, Simon pitch last night. What did you think of that, you know, his his debut? I didn't see a lot of the early part of his uh, early part of his outing. Um, I was just getting home from work at the time, but it seemed like you know he was you know going along fairly well. He'd get out, give up a hit or two. I know he induced a couple a couple double plays there, which is really kind of his, his game. You know, he, you know, gives up a, a few hits, gives up a few walks, but he has that, you know, heavy sinker that really gets a lot of ground balls. And with a defense behind him, I think that's going to be, you know, a solid combination for them. Um, he definitely looked like he started to tire in that, in the fifth and sixth innings and started giving up more hits. And I think that Brad Ausmus did a great job of going to get him when he did. Um, so I think we need to point out when, when Brad's doing a good job here. Um, right. but you know, and, and, you know, it wasn't the most impressive line when you look at it at the end, but I think that it was enough to get the job done, especially with the offense putting up five runs in front of them. Yeah. The offense certainly helps in that situation. I, like you, I didn't get to see, um, I don't think I saw any of the innings that, Simon pitch. By the time I got home, I think he'd already been out of the game. I heard bits and pieces of it on the radio while I was in the car, but that doesn't really give me a visual, you know, into what kind of pitches he was throwing. Um, so my my opinion is going to be very sort of slanted towards results, you know, orientation. And the the one thing that I noticed is that he seemed to put a base runner on, whether by giving up a hit or giving up a walk, every single inning that he was out there, with maybe one exception. And then, like you said, he seemed to tire kind of quickly in the fifth or sixth. And then, I mean, it just sort of fell apart then. But I guess the one thing, Rob, that I'm, you know, having to kind of keep in check when I'm evaluating someone like Simon is to say he is the fifth starter. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the, the approach we have to take with it. Um, we've been so, so spoiled over these last few years, having a fifth starter like Drew Smiley or Rick Porcello, um, you know, and you look back to 2011 and that team got starts from Phil Coke, that team got starts from Brad Penny, um, so, you know, it's been a little while since we've had a fifth starter that, you know, we're not that confident in, um, you know, and I think that, you know, despite Simon's line, he's got an ERA over five after that first game, but I think it was a, you know, a pretty solid debut for him. He only walked two batters, which is, uh, you know, pretty good. Um, you know, and he's going to give up the hits, but, you know, if he can induce a couple double plays behind him, uh, I think the Tigers turned three or they turned two or three double plays yesterday. Um, you know, if they can continue doing that behind him, I think he could, you know, outperform some of these, uh, some of the advanced metrics on him. And I am really getting addicted quickly to watching those double plays. The Iglesias to Kinsler to Cabrera is just really, really smooth. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing so much more of that this year. Uh, we're talking with Robert Jackie here on the Bless You Boys podcast. Check us out online at www.blessyouboys.com. Rob, let's kind of head into the home stretch here and shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the injuries um, that have plagued the team already uh, as, as we 
I'm sure everyone knows uh, that uh, tomorrow, Sunday's game, we're going to see um, Lobstein pitch and take Verlander's place because Justin Verlander is on the disabled list, as is Bruce Rondone and recently Joe Nathan, all going to the disabled list. There's some questions around this, I think. We'll start with the bullpen. And I was listening to a sports you know, talk radio the other day, which I don't usually like to do, but I thought the guy made kind of a good point. When Joe Nathan went on the disabled list, he said, look, I don't think anyone's going to miss Joe Nathan as Joe Nathan. Nobody is you know, saying, oh, no, what are the Tigers going to do now that he's not available? But on the other hand, no matter who it is, Joe Nathan or anybody else, with Rondon going down as well, does this really hurt the team in terms just of, of bullpen depth? Yeah, I think it does. Um, you know, we, we haven't seen much good from Joe Nathan so far in a Tigers uniform. But when he's there in the ninth inning, uh, you have, you know, you have Joaquin Soria in the eighth inning. You have all these other guys pushed up into situations that are probably more likely to get in, you know, to be higher leverage situations. We saw yesterday, um, you know, Al Albuquerque had to come in in the sixth inning to, to put out a fire. And I thought he, you know, he did a spectacular job of inducing a ground ball, letting his defense turning a double play behind him. Um, but having that luxury of being able to go to some of these guys a little bit earlier in the game when there are going to be runners on base, um, you know, and giving someone like Joe Nathan the clean inning to work with, you know, if he can't, if he can't handle it, then you've got issues, but, you know, having him there, if he can get through that ninth inning most of the time, um, and putting, you know, putting these other guys in, in bigger spots, I think is actually a better thing for this team. Uh, missing Rondon also hurts, um, you know, he was really starting to come around towards the second half of 2013. Uh, and it sounds like his velocity has looked pretty good so far in spring training. Um, and with the injury he has, it's more of a shoulder injury. So, you know, I don't think it's anything to be worried about as far as his elbow and the Tommy John surgery. But it's definitely something the Tigers want to keep an eye on. They don't want to overwork him just yet and then have him miss more time later in the season. Yeah, and I heard the statement made uh, the other day that, and I'm not sure if I agree with this, but I'll, I'll get your take on it, that Bruce Rondon is is basically just the reincarnation of Joel Zemaya, the guy that is supposed to be the big flame-throwing, you know, potentially one-day closer who just can't seem to get healthy and, and never will be. I think it's an unfair assessment so far. Um, you know, Rondon missed last year with Tommy John surgery and has had this little, you know, shoulder issue so far. Uh, but I think it's still far too early to to put that curse on him so to speak. Um, so we'll hmm. see how he comes back from this and whether he's able to pitch effectively later in the year. But, yeah, let's uh, let's hold off calling him Joel Samaya just yet. Okay. As long as he stays away from what was the game, Guitar Hero or something to that effect, Rock Band, something like that. The big yeah, question mark, Rob. Picking, was, it, was it picking up pillows and all that? Oh, yes. 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 I don't I don't even know. No, let's let's let Rondone be Rondone, and we'll just see where he goes from there. The big question mark, Rob, though, is Justin Verlander. And already at the start of the season, on the disabled list, I, I want to say it was with a strained triceps muscle. Now, we know we, we were looking at a recovering, rehabbing Verlander last year who seemed to struggle. The year prior to that, he seemed to struggle a little bit as well, maybe not as bad as 2014, but you know that could very well have been because of the injury that was oncoming. Um you know, in your opinion, are we going to get another year of an unhealthy and possibly ineffective Verlander, or is this just a minor upset and nothing to worry about? It seems tough to say, um, but I think this is more of a just kind of a minor issue for him. 
Um, he did an interview, and in, uh, I don't know if it was an in-game interview. I think it was a pre-game interview that they aired during one of the games. And he said that, you know, it's just kind of an annoying thing. You know, if this were September, he'd probably be pitching through it. But at this point, there's uh, not much reason to to have him overwork, try to work through the injury or anything. So the Tigers, I think, are doing the uh, the right thing and you know, just shutting him down a little bit, giving him, you know, time to get over this, um, get over this, you know, strain. It's really just sounds kind of like a muscle strain. Um, so I don't think that there's much for for them to worry about right now. Uh, we'll we'll see how we go, how he does uh, in the next few days. All right. We'll knock on wood and hope to see a, a very solid Verlander in his next outing, hopefully, which will be, you know, that he only missed one start. Elsewhere in the Central, Rob, as we wind down the program today, the Royals are off to a hot start. They swept the White Sox in their first season series. I want to say when I checked the standings yesterday, they are also sitting at a 4-0 record. And like the Tigers, the Royals' offense looks pretty hot out of the gate. I think they've scored somewhere like 25, 26 total runs in their first four games. Yeah, the Tigers have scored more at, you know, 30. But looking at the way things are starting to unfold, I know it's early, but maybe last year wasn't a fluke for the Royals. What do you think? It's definitely, you know, early to say something like that. I think the, you know, I heard that the Royals are 4-0 for the first time since like 2000 or 2002 or something along those lines. So it's been a while for them. Um but, you know, there's definitely – I watched a little bit of one of their games the other day, and it definitely seems like the same team we saw last year. You know, they're playing great defense behind their, their starters, um, you know, not getting a ton of strikeouts from their starting pitching like the Tigers have had in the past, but, you know, playing good enough defense to keep runs off the board. Uh, and, yeah, they've been scoring some runs so far. It looks like uh, Mike Moustakis and Eric Cosmer, it's early, but they might start finally – breaking out like people have predicted for the last five years, uh, you know, and if mm. those two really start to turn into, you know, powerful hitters in the middle of that lineup, they could be tough to beat. So has it been enough yet to kind of change your opinion on who the, the real competition in the central is going to be? No, I don't think so yet. Um, I think that this was, you know, going to be a tight race throughout the year, but I think the Indians are still the team to beat. Uh, they, you know, they showed, a lot of fight yesterday getting back in the game. Uh, and they showed that they could be a you know, dangerous lineup, stringing together multiple hits like they did against Simon before Albuquerque came in and shut the door. Um, I think the, the Royals were going to kind of hang around throughout most of the year, but it'll be interesting to see what happens when they face the Tigers. Uh, you know, the Tigers went, you know, I think it was 15-4 and four or something like that against them last year. Um, so we'll see if, you know, they can finally solve you know, the, the Detroit pitching and offense. But you know, I think this is more kind of a three-team race uh, than people thought. Um, you know, I'm still not impressed with the White Sox yet, and they definitely didn't look good in that opening series. So we'll see mm-hmm. how everything shakes out. All right. Now we are running out of time here, so um, we're going to wrap this up. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we sign off for the day? Not that I can think of. I'm just excited to to watch today's matchup with uh, David Price and Corey Kluber. That should be a good one. Yes, it's sort of a Cy Young face-off. I'm very excited for the same thing. Uh, and I, I believe that game is actually airing on Fox Sports Plus for those that are in market. Of course, if you're out of market, you've got the MLB TV option. Um, so, yeah, uh, Rob, tell us, where can the listeners find you uh, on the uh, on the old Internet? Well, I'll be writing uh, at Bless You Boys a lot, obviously. Um, you can find me tweeting sometimes at the Bless You Boys account, uh, Twitter account. 
at Bless You Boys. Uh, I know Kurt has been tweeting a lot during the games from that, as he usually has. Um, and I'm also at BYB Rob on Twitter. All right. And thanks for joining us today, Rob, and we'll catch you next time. Take care. All right. Thanks. And that is just about going to do it for us. Another episode of the Bless You Boys podcast. Thanks again to Rob Rojacki for joining us today. Like you said, you can find Rob's writings at BlessYouBoys.com and also on Twitter at BYBRob. And you can follow me on Twitter at HookslideBYB for more Dan Dickerson audio clips and the more than occasional snarky comments during games. Be sure to tune in next week at the same time for more recap and analysis of Tigers baseball. We'll see you next time on the Bless You Boys podcast. There's never been a corner like Michigan and Trumbull. Ha ha ha, that'll get him out of the old ballpark.